the best podcast in baseball is brought to you by Clauses by Design. Update your closet, garage, office, pantry, and more. Imagine your home totally organized with Closets by Design. Call 1-800-BY-DESIGN. That's 1-800-BY-DESIGN. This doesn't feel like the offseason to me where it's the right thing or the, or the smart thing to get like all caught up on one name. Go get Bryce Harper. Go get Wilson Contreras. That was that was, you know, what I was championing last year. I think the Cardinals have to be looking at all of their options. They're going to have to get multiple pitchers, multiple high-level pitchers, multiple additions to this rotation, and also this bullpen if they're going to make good on their chance to come back next season and and make sure this season was an outlier. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the best podcast in baseball. I'm not Derek Gould. I'm post-dispatch sports columnist Ben Fredrickson, but Derek Gould is with me, and we are getting ready to talk some Cardinals baseball. The best podcast in baseball is brought to you by Closets by Design of St. Louis. And I got to tell you, Closets by Design of St. Louis is who we went with, Derek, to uh, do our uh, our new daughter's closet. Oh, really? And it was awesome. They did a fantastic job. We're very pleased. Um, she can't talk yet. But I think when she is able to, she will thank us for uh, getting her new closet uh, set up, done by Closets by Design of St. Louis. So that's my plug, and uh, and, and it's and it's and it's the truth. So uh, with that, we'll dive in. We got to talk some Cardinals baseball. We're going to talk some pitching. People are wondering why are you talking and not Derek? It's Derek is he's not a victim of the winter the GM meetings bubonic plague that uh, that caused uh, all of the uh, front office members who hit the buffet to uh, reach for the Tums and Pepto-Bismol. But he is a little, uh, not under the weather, but his voice is is, uh, is lost a little bit. So he's, we're trying to get him back fully on his feet before we head down to winter meetings. This is match. load management. That's, That's what we're right. calling That's right. load management. It's uh, it, we got to get you in good shape before we head down to uh, winter meetings in in Nashville, and uh, so I'll be driving this thing today. But but you're talking, and we're going to talk some Cardinals off season. Of course, a lot of pitching. Talk some MVP ballot and some other things going on uh, going on in the game, man. To start things off, how the heck are you? Other than uh, wishing you had a full voice. Good. I'm, I'm glad to catch up with you here. It's the first time that I've really. I mean, not first time we talk, but first time I really get to see the glow of fatherhood. On you. Um, I know it's not coming through the podcast, but we're doing this in video, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just happy for you. I'm happy to see you. I'm happy for Cassandra. Um, I'm happy for little Lorelai. And uh, it's just great. I, uh, I, I, uh, I cheer. I love having friends who get to feel what it's like to be a parent. Um, and I look forward to uh, Lorelai doing the time-honored tradition of coming on the podcast at some point in time, following in the footsteps of uh, of my now um, who uh, my son who has now outgrown the podcast. Yeah, he thinks we're we're totally outdated. He's on to uh, you know whatever it is, TikToks and soon to be full-length feature films. And uh, I told him what we'll have a. I want to be a tag along at, at the, at the Oscars someday. And he said, I can be so, That's um, good. so, so, so we'll see, but thank you very much. And it, it's, it's really cool, obviously to, to uh, have friends and colleagues who have been such great, uh, you know, teammates and champions and what has been a, a long journey. And, and we're certainly so thrilled and excited and sleepless and, and, <laughs> and all of the things, but, but it's all good. And she's doing great. Mom's doing great. And, good. uh, Thank you for the congratulations. Best, um, you know, we've got some great acquisitions in the in the winter. Cardinals 
don't have any yet, but uh, but the post dispatch staff has had uh, two great acquisitions already, and then uh, to the family, and uh, and then a new addition to uh, to the staff with Eli Hoff. So it's been a it's been a big blockbuster off season already for the post dispatch. We have upgraded and expanded our rotation. We will see if the Cardinals do the same. I think it's fatherly wisdom, though. I'm I'm just you know I'm I'm calmer. I'm I'm a little softer now. Um, I'm maybe maybe just a little more willing to to to, to give time and patience. I'm not going to hammer the Cardinals for not doing anything yet. I end up showing great restraint, but I do think it's worth reminding baseball fans that as we are recording this, nobody has done anything. I mean, there's there's really been no significant free agent additions whatsoever. There, we've seen a couple yeah. trades. We've seen the the Braves make a trade that. Maybe Mears won the Cardinals would like to make. We'll see what happens before today's kind of roster setting moves continue. But it does seem like it's 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 starting to be at least a, a hurry up and wait kind of thing until rosters get set a little bit more, till teams kind of get a grip on what trade talks could look like a little bit. And and this doesn't surprise me with some of the names that are out there with a unicorn like Otani. Um, with what I think really looks like a, a pitching to me, a, a pitching plus market, not mm-hmm. so much on the hitting side. And apparently every team, you know, is, is, is desperate for pitching or so we're being told. So not stunning that that moves haven't been made yet, but I know Cardinals fans are anxious, eager, um, pulling their hair out a little bit to see what, what comes. And I gotta be honest, man, I wrote about this a little bit for today's paper this doesn't feel like the off season to me where it's the right thing or the, or the smart thing to get like all caught up on one name um, have done that in the years past have said, go get, go get Bryce Harper, go get Wilson Contreras. That was, that was, you know, what I was championing last year. I think the Cardinals have to be looking at all of their options. They're going to have to get multiple pitchers, multiple high level pitchers, multiple additions to this rotation. And also this bullpen, if they're going to make good on their chance to, come back next season and and make sure this season was an outlier. So this idea that if you go get Nola, who I would love if they went and got Nola, that that's going to be enough, that that's going to be it. If that's the mentality, that's just not going to be enough. So to me, it's almost more of like start out with talking about the moves that you don't think make a lot of sense for the Cardinals. And they're really, they're all kinds of moves that make sense. Go spend on a big free agent, make a bold trade for a young guy with years of control pick the right guy on a bounce back year, mm-hmm. do all of them um, go get a guy who who didn't agree to an option like Stroman and put him in your rotation. I mean, go, 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 go overseas and, and, and bet big on Yamamoto and hope that he becomes a force of, of the majors for years to come. All of the, when, when people say, what should they do? I say all of these things. Yes. <laughs> is there one, is there one thing that jumps out to you? That's like, yes, that is the move. Or, or do you view it more of like they need to do a series of moves if they're serious about being back where they need to be? You know, it's an interesting the way that Mosaic, the the word that he has decided to describe has a lot of application, just as it has a couple different definitions, and that's volume. And he keeps bringing that up um, when he talks publicly. When he talks privately, like to agents and to players and to the other teams, he talks about acquiring two and a half pitchers. That's their goal. You round up to three if you want, or if you're a pessimist, you can round down to two. But he, he talks about adding the two and a half. But what he what he's saying publicly is volume. And they're, they're the two elements of that, Ben, is one volume as a number of pitchers that they have to acquire. And then there's the other element of what they have to provide. They have to get innings. 
And it's very interesting to hear him describe that after so many years of asking about how they're going to fall short um, of innings. And, you know, he's, he's not quite saying the, the innings phrase, but when he talks about volume, that's what he's talking about. So, you know, you go out and you add the one guy who is going to provide 210 innings that may not be as valuable to the Cardinals as being able to add two guys, each of whom are going to give you 170 innings, 180 innings, because they need that volume play. Uh, you know, it's also why that half comes into play. That could be a starter. Um, that could be a starter who they count on getting 15 to 20 starts from um, because of injury history or because of effectiveness or whatever. Um, and then have to play to, uh, you know, to to kind of cover up the other half of that, either with a young pitcher or somebody they already have on staff. So I, I think that's kind of the that they're kind of telling us the direction they're heading which is, you know, they, 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 they're not necessarily going to go to the Maserati shop of pitching. They're going to go to the Costco of pitching. They're going to buy in bulk. Um, they might not get the, 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 they're going to, they may try to ride the sports car, but they may also end up with just like the bulk purchases of a lot because they need to fill innings. Um, if they get the one and they kind of spend their entirety or are, or let's be candid, are only successful in wooing one, then they don't know if they're perceptively better. Um, they they didn't cover all their holes. The the guy who jumps out to me as being most likely to be outside of that goal stated mm-hmm. to me, and, and for a lot of reasons, expensive, um, not volume, and and not bulk innings, um, mm-hmm. and also a little bit erratic in terms of can be the best pitcher, look like the best pitcher in baseball one season and look like just a guy um, the next season. There are very few moves that if the Cardinals went down the road of, I would be saying, I don't know about that. Like we just laid all of them. I mean, if you got to trade Tommy Edmond, I don't like it, but if you got to trade him to get a help, get a starter that helps your rotation for years. I get it. Yeah. Everything I get, I don't know for what the Cardinals need or for where they were last season, for how they've gotten even more in need of, bulk and reliability now that Jordan Montgomery is gone. I don't know that Blake Snell, for what he's going to command likely in this market, I don't know that he might be the one guy I look at this free agent class and go, I don't know that it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, great, you know, Great he, pitcher, man. Like, led the, led the majors in, in ERA for the second time in his career this season. Strikeout he, rate higher than any free sure, agent. And that's what they need, right? They want strikeout stuff. I get it. Well, that's he what he needs with all the walks. <laughs> so many walks. Yeah, led the majors in walks with 99, and God forbid if he would have pitched 200 innings, how many would he have had? Yeah, there's probably a balance for the Cardinals to find there with a guy who has high strikeout rates, but when he does get the ball in play, um, it's not that they have to earn it, right? Like, you know, if he has a great strikeout rate, great strikeout rate, and he needs it because of that walk rate, he's got to get out of jams and stuff, so he's got to miss bats. Bats, would you take a little less strikeout rate if there was a lower walk rate and can you get to the same place or, or maybe like, even like go like say, let's reduce the walk rates a little bit and go with a little bit more ground ball and hope that the Cardinals finally have the defense that they advertise and can take advantage of it. I think there's a lot of ways where Snell and then we're not even getting into the, the five and a third inning average, um, which then shifts the innings loads to somewhere else, um, which 
it's just there, there's a lot of moves that would be out of character for the Cardinals, and it's kind of what they need to do this winter is they got to be out of character. Um, they got to change some of their their past habits. Um, but that one, it doesn't line up in as many columns, so to speak, as these other moves. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's like a real fair question. Are they are they a better team if they go get Blake Snell and then they get a couple of the kind of lower tier starters and one bounce back guy? Or if they get Sonny Gray and someone of his ilk that they trade for and then one of the lower tiers, where are they a better team? Um, you know, they're probably a more consistent pitching team if they get the two kind of mid-tier guys as opposed to get Snell who doesn't shoulder all those innings, right, and leaves them exposed later. Especially if Snell is going to earn what some people think he may and what he may have well what command he should. With, yeah. a second, with a second Cy Young award. To me, that very rarely do I look at what I would describe as the top free agent on the market and go, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that would be a good, a good spend. I tend well, to be more of go pay the guy, go get the best option, go get the player. But it's I interesting. So I do you think he it. is, or is he this the most decorated? Is he the best free agent? Let, let, let me ask you that question. I think who, there will who, be teams that absolutely think he is because that's how they want to pitch. Yeah. I mean, and, and you look at some of the projected contracts and he's, some of the projections have him making more longer than an Aaron Nola. And it's the he, age. He's, yeah, he's young. It's the age, but but he's not. Left-handed he's not twenty five. Yeah. He's he's going to be thirty one now. He has been relatively healthy, and I'll give him credit. He's been aces with runners on base and in scoring position, so he has another level that he gets to. The Padres' defense also last season was really good. Right. Um, it's the one thing that doesn't get talked about. The two things that seemed Great to go point. right in San Diego last year were Blake Snell and the Padres' defense, mm-hmm. and everything else went wrong. So I Great don't know if, if you don't have that kind of a defense, you may not want to take that bet. Derek, we have, we have seen him with fewer strikeouts and fewer walks. And in those seasons, he's been a little bit above league average. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I, I think if you are one starter away and you've got some workhorses, then he's a really intriguing option. But yeah. what the Cardinals need it just doesn't seem to me like it would be a really, really sound investment. And that's saying something for me because I generally like love spending, you know, spending the Cardinals hypothetical money, but yeah. I just don't see it. Now, everybody else I can, you can make a case for, I can make a case that the Cardinals, you know, too often try to overthink things and they need to just not overthink and go get Aaron Nola and just say, look, we're going to start there. And then we're going to get guys who are, who are, we feel like can complement a staff led by Aaron Nola. I'm good with that. And I understand that there's risk. I understand he's not the guy he once was. I watched him pitch in the postseason. He looked like he's got plenty left to me. I think Bush Stadium might be able to help him a little bit. And I like what he would bring to the staff. I love Sonny Gray as an option. I like, I, I could be sold on Marcus Stroman, on Lance Lynn, on Yamamoto. Like there's very few other guys. I'm like, I don't, I don't see it. But Snell's the one guy that's like, I just, I don't know. If, if they signed him tomorrow, it, I, I, I think my first reaction would be like, hmm, I wonder if that was a good use of their money. Yeah. I mean, I think you, I mean, I think it's really interesting. Like it, 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 you can't say that the Cardinals need to stretch or even break free of past conservative approaches and then kind of say, well, but put the brakes on the Snell thing. But it's almost like, it's almost like that's the reach too far 
or that they would reach over um, options that make sense to get to him. And so what, what would lead them to do that? Um, you know, it's almost like, oh, well, they need to be less pragmatic, but but they need to be more pragmatic when it comes to him. It, it, it's a hard kind of lo- nuance to, to describe. I get it. And I we totally said, get we sat there and said from. they need more, they need to strike out more guys. They need more swing and miss. They need more whiff. And then to sit there and say, I don't know about Snell. People are like, what are you talking about? That's right. that's the guy. Snell is is good Jack Flaherty. Well, he's left. Yeah. I mean, in terms yeah. of what yes. if, if Jack Flaherty breaks through, that's he is interesting. he's yeah. Blake Snell. Yeah. And I think the question if Jack Flaherty would have been the guy the Cardinals thought he could be this season. Yeah. And that's what they were thinking about. That's what they hoped for. Yeah, that's a very interesting. Yeah, the five what, are they five are they third, are they are they, a, are they that much better of a team this year? I don't know. That's the thing that I don't know. And so one of the issues, like like I know people are frustrated. Like it seems like it's stagnant, right? It seems like the the market is stagnant, and we have this conversation almost every year. And I think it's just part of baseball is the sense that like baseball reaches its off season and the the hot stove simmers more than it boils. Um, and it, and then it goes away and the season starts up and then the other sports come in with their, you know, jiffy pop free agency, right. Where it's everything at once, um, because of the window to sign and the 1201 signings and all this stuff and everything, um, baseball is just geared differently. And so every year, like the other sports remind you like, oh my gosh, there's this frenzy of free agent signing. Why doesn't baseball have that? When are they going to happen? When are they going to happen? And then you have to, oh, no, no, baseball is a little bit slower, just like the game itself. Um, and that's by design. Uh, and it's also uh, like an unintended consequence. So first of all, the design part. One, Bud Selig wanted to keep baseball in the headlines. And so that's not why there. that's why there's not like a free agent deadline or a free agent window. His thought was keep baseball in the headlines, 365, make it a bar stool conversation, 365. And that's what an open marketplace like this does. The other one is unintended consequences. Um, by setting up all of these roster deadlines, including a couple this week, one of which is hinged to the end of the World Series, the other is a fixed date. Um, you you have teams who like are like, well, we're not going to sign free agents now because we want to use those roster spots to protect our players or explore trades. And so you have kind of like this week right after the GM meetings and any sort of stoking of the free agent conversation, you have this week where everybody goes back to their separate corners and kind of tends to their own little garden, their own little um, roster moves, their, their DFAs and their outrights like the Cardinals have. Um, Every team is doing that. And so it creates this pause in the free agent thing just immediately after teasing a lot of excitement for fans. Um, And then added factor this year, which may ultimately help spur things, Ben, and we'll see, is that the one of the premier free agents available will have a clock on his signing when he becomes available. That's uh, Lars Nupar's BFF, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. When he's officially posted, and that could happen, that's going to happen at any time. They're going to do it here shortly. Um, it may be happening now while we're talking or shortly after I post the podcast. Um, once that happens, 45 days, 45 days to sign. The expectation is that it won't take him 45 days to sign, but it will take him signing to set the market for Snell and Nola and all these other ones, because all the agents that represent those other guys can go, well, we can see who's offering. We can see who's interested. 
And he's got to make that call on a deadline where these other guys don't so we can see who's left. And it'll be classic supply demand. So I think those factors are playing into this a little bit is that, you know, there's a whole lot of talk and not a whole lot of action. And I get that that frustrates fans, but this year it is definitely geared to the Yamamoto calendar. And also baseball's always been slower than these other sports and they're just not going to compare. And every year, you know, the excitement of the NFL and NHL and NBA free agency comes and goes. And then we get back to baseball, which is more plotting and more deliberate and less, uh, and less, you know, immediately satisfying. And that's by design. Yeah. I think the era of MLB network too has ratcheted up the, the intensity oh, so it was like turning it on the hot stove special but if there's no yeah, yeah. if there's no heat then it becomes the speculation which drives up the why right. isn't it happening why isn't what it happening but that's what people are want and growing and, and it is it's what people it's what baseball wants feed off of i love yeah. what you, the, the yamamoto clock is interesting because a lot of talk entering the the off season was the otani how otani was going to hold up the market which never made a lot of sense to me because there's no one to, there's no comp. Right. There's like, no one. Yeah. Guys who hold up markets are, are waiting for everyone to base their right. contracts off of them. Unless, you know, who, who is, who around can base their contract off of Otani? No one, but yeah, Yamamoto he's... would make sense because he's, as you said, it's going to give an insight into the process. And also if you are an agent of a, a Blake Snell or Aaron Nola, you're going to say, Hey, look, these are the offers for the guy, for a guy who has proven he has not yet proven he can, last or survive or thrive yeah. in the majors and all everyone seems to think he will but guys are going to want to who have been doing it guys with been there and done that are going to want to get paid based off of if that's right. the market for a guy who's done nothing in the majors then what's the market for a guy who has right um, that will be that will be compelling to see how some of that how some of that stacks up Lars Newbar is posting photos of of golfing outings with Yamamoto we don't know if they're recent or current or or old photos that he's using to uh, just stir the pot on social media. If he is recruiting, good for Lars. Um, there's a real relationship there. Real, and real you, strong. You wrote one. about it at at GM meetings. And is Yamamoto going to sit there and say, "I'm going to take less money" or or uh, uh, not go to a place maybe I don't want to because my friend is there? No, but it, it doesn't hurt to have Lars Newbar be a a very um, a very welcoming, friendly face for any player who is thinking about making that jump. Um, and it goes beyond one player. I mean, you've written about the Cardinals' interest in going to Asia and, and really capitalizing on this Lars Newtbar moment. Mm-hmm. Would have made it even better if he would have been able to stay healthy all year and have a great season. But the Cardinals are still super, super high on his potential, as they should be. And he's really got um, he's got some star power, presence, and personality to him. This could mm-hmm. help them, whether it's with Yamamoto or someone else, it could help them recruit. It could help them also, you know, expand their brand in Asia, which they've been working on doing. I mean, you know, Lars is a, Lars is a, could be a difference maker here. There are folks who at the GM meetings who saw from the outside all the all the wheels moving and not just recently, but in the previous years and were saying, you know, the Cardinals have to be uh, at least, if not a favorite, at least uh, an underrated contender for Yamamoto um, because of all the things that they've done leading into this moment. Uh, it, you know, about 12 months ago, they hire a scout, a scout who'd been around, worked for other organizations, bounced around a little bit, but a scout to focus on the 
uh, on Japan's top league and be aware and help close deals, help know how best to kind of make make the, the diplomatic efforts, make the recruiting efforts, do all those things to help the Cardinals be more active in closing deals with players. Um, you know, they have the, the working arrangement with um, Oryx, you know, special assistant um, and advisor and player procurement. Matt Slater is one of the few people who has a Japan series and a world series ring. He's got the world series ring with the Cardinals, obviously. Um, and he's got the, uh, the Japan series when Oryx won here recently because of this relationship that the Cardinals have had for many years with Oryx, which, oh, by the way, is Yamamoto's club. Then you have the added factor of the Newt Bar and the Joel Wolf. You have talked to Joel Wolf. Joel Wolf is an agent. Um, he represents Yamamoto. He also represents Lars Newt Bar. And who else does he represent? Ben Fredrickson. Giancarlo Stanton. And who else? Nolan, Nolan Arnado. Arnado. I was Nolan I, had, I, had, I had Stanton on my brain because of his uh in his his comment defending Stanton and kind of ripping the New York baseball market, which comes right. at a fascinating time considering this conversation. Well, so yeah, so it was very interesting. And then you know, you had to come out and say, how will that impact yeah, you know, the, he's comment about how you have to be Teflon if you're gonna go there. Um, because Cashman had said, you know, being injured is part of Stanton's game. So Wolf's response was Cashman is having a very Mo off season. Oh man, I was there. This? There's a I lot was, of there's a I, lot of similarities between like three times an off season, Mo says something that he winds up going, Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Cashman and Mo are like they are having very similar <laughs> off seasons and they have are, been having uh, similar seasons for a while now. They're they're uh yeah, they're pals too, right? So they're close, and uh, like, and and sometimes I'm sometimes I'll I'll ask Mo. I was like, is is Cash the only one who talks to you? Like, just like you know, like as far as like can you commiserate together that kind of thing? Um, but they're close, and they both have the same kind of longevity. They both hit the same speed bumps this past year. They're both under the same scrutiny this winter. All of it. Um, but I found it really interesting that then like they had to come out and say that like, well, the Stanton comments won't impact the Yamamoto negotiations. So, well, how does that not <laughs> like, yeah, I don't want to overstate it, yeah. but like, how do you, how does the agent, I mean, Yamamoto is going to see what his agent said about the market. He's going to be aware of that. Um, so it's just, it's interesting that like all these things are coalescing for the Cardinals. Oh, and by the way, at the same time, that like he's not a secret, right? Like there are a few players that the Cardinals will make a play for, um, you know, from Japan. They may they probably end up signing one of the available players coming from Japan. Um, it's a question as to who, but it's like they're they're they also are they've put all these things in place, and they've also got the added bonus of the nuke bar factor, which they couldn't have possibly banked on, but they do have it. And, you know, it all arrives at a time when, oh, gosh, this is just the most like coveted pitcher in the world um, that they also will take a bid on. Um, but it but it's interesting because, you know, at the GM meeting, like I said, the, the, the people on the outside watching those all come together, they're like, gosh, they, the Cardinals have never been in this position to be seen as as a major factor for the star player coming over from Japan. And they've put in the legwork to get to that point. Now, whether they pull it off, we'll see. I mean, they, in the end, it might just be an auction. Um, the other thing, like the last thing on Joel Wolf, which is really interesting, he has a great relationship with the Cardinals, with Mo in particular. 
the Arenado deal is a, a big part of how that Arenado deal comes together is that relationship and the honesty between the two of them and how they work together. Um, you know, they've had other things where they've had discussions on players, um, you know, not always like not, they've always haven't had agreements, but they have always kind of come to um, a place because they feel like they can speak frankly to each other. It's a really fascinating relationship, but it also has roots as you know, cause you talked to Joel about this, um, that he played with the Cardinals and, and he was part of the organization at a time when Mo was, was at a lower level than he is now, but still an executive. So, um, you know, there's history there. And it seemed and like when the Cardinals also were, want there, right. It seemed like the Cardinals when, when they were kind of trying to get on Stanton's radar, I mean, he was a trade, but it was basically a free agency because he had the no trade clause. Right. It seemed like Joel was, I wouldn't say a Cardinals advocate. He was trying to get the best deal for his, he was trying to get the best situation for his client. And when he's no, but he told him you need to listen. Exactly. He was to hear what the Cardinals have to say. Don't close the door before you heard what they say. Exactly. And what happened in that meeting um, helped inform Joel then later for when Nolan was like, I want to get out of here. Where are the Cardinals situated? And who knows if, uh, if, if Stanton were to do it all over again, maybe he would have been okay not having that high rise and, uh, in, uh, yeah, would have would have maybe preferred to play for Cardinals. That that's that's water beneath the bridge, but that relationship is still there, and it's a really interesting time. It is. I also think the perception of pitchers coming from Asia have really changed rapidly from from domestic MLB fans. I think yeah. there would be a time when, whether it was the, a great young pitcher like Yamamoto, who's expected to be a top two, top three starter for years to come in the majors, was had all the credentials or was more of a wild card, people would. There would be some fans who seem, assume, well, he hasn't done it here, so therefore, it's a it's it's the Cardinals' low hanging fruit. It's trying right, to recreate right. the wheel. I don't sense that fans feel that way. I think they have become more aware of the game there. I think they've seen in the World Baseball Classic how good some of these players are, mm-hmm. and and I think they would be thrilled to have a 25 year old international superstar join this rotation and be thrilled that he he viewed them as a place that that he would want to start his major league career in. He's one to obviously watch i did want to ask and we won't go through all the names you've been in front of this more than anybody kind of noting the potential i guess i would call it like gravitational pull between sunny gray and the Cardinals. Yeah. um yeah. the cardinals do keep tabs on players they do identify guys that this guy could be a fit and sometimes it does take years for the time and place to be correct nolan arenado being an mm-hmm. example of that um and i'm not comparing sunny gray to nolan arenado but sunny gray could be to me the guy, if you if you get Sonny Gray and you get one pitcher who's as good, if not better than him, and then you take a shot at somebody, a mm-hmm. wild card, a bounce back, a guy who was hurt, maybe you make that trade with the Yankees for one of their beat-up pitchers that is looking for a fresh start. To me, if, if Sonny Gray is your middle addition, then that is a good offseason. Yeah. Um, and maybe he's maybe he winds up being the top addition, and then it's a little bit maybe, I wouldn't say underwhelming, but it but it's not as 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 blunt force trauma as the Cardinals maybe hope to have, or at least Cardinals fans thought, but Sonny Gray could be the, the meat. He could be, the, he could be the real substance in, yeah. in this off season, but he's also, you know, he has no reason to say, okay, I'll only go to the Cardinals. I mean, he's, he had a, a very strong season. There are a lot of teams that see what the Cardinals see in Sonny Gray right now. Yeah, there are. And it's going to, competition is going to be, um, Competition is going to be high um, for him, but 
the question is how many of those teams just help drive up the price for where he wants to go. And in the past, the Cardinals have said, we don't want to be that team. We, we, we know we don't have a chance. Um, so we don't want to be part. We don't want to be played that way. We don't want to be used for leverage. We'll bail. Um, it'll be really interesting if part of this shift that they have to take is um, a sense of, well, we got to stay in it to see if we can get there because if they stay in it and they get to the point that they did with David Price, where they're having dinner with Sonny Gray in Nashville on the eve of finalizing what they believe is a deal, they, they probably close this one. You know, they probably, they probably close it up and then, you know, and, and, and they're happy for it, but it's how long do they stay in to get to that conversation? Um, you know, Sonny Gray's comments have been, and he's said this publicly and the pitchers who know him well, um, it was peers that have talked to him. They know that it's important for him to stay close to home or he's at least looking for that. Now, what does that mean? Um, that could mean Atlanta. That could mean the Cardinals. Um, he's looking for the right kind of fit too. And, you know, a lot of folks see him as a good fit for the rotation here um, because they would need that kind of veteran um, stability, you know, and especially with Wainwright, not in there. Um, Miles Michaelis obviously ascends to that spot of kind of the, the sage, the elder statesman of the group. Um, Sonny Gray would add he also, that he has one. sage. So yeah, he also has the, yeah, I was going for the pun there. You like that? Um, the, uh, but Sonny Gray would join that. Like he'd be like, you know, part of the leadership of, a, of the group um, and come with, you know, this recent final um, top three finish for the Cy Young um, coming off a really strong career year, but one that seems like he's poised to duplicate, like he's figured out. Last one on the pitching front. What is a half pitcher? Like and I and I, I I actually understand. I'll stick up for frustrated Cardinals fans here because this idea that three months ago the Cardinals were saying publicly we need three yeah. new additions for this rotation. Yeah. And and I get it how this works. GM meeting starts. There's trying to get a feel for the trade market. You're you're talking to agents who are setting sky high prices and you know, two and a half, it's, it's, it's kind of a funny, it's, it's a fun phrase. And and I get the sense that it is of like two proven starters and a guy maybe who's, is it a guy who's coming off an injury? Is it a guy who's a bounce back? Is it a guy right. who's unproven? Is it all of the above? What is a, what is a half pitcher? And, and what is, what, what, ha, what has to go right for a half pitcher to become a pitcher as opposed to we'll settle for two. Yeah. Maybe I'm in, I don't know. I don't, I always struggle with this a little bit because like I wasn't jarred by the fact that he talked about two and a half or said we get starter, starter and see where we go. Because I, because all along when they were saying that they needed to add three starters, I always thought that, well, not, I always thought it's what I talked to them about and what I talked to sources about. And it's they always, we, do, it's two, two and a guy, two and a, two and and a, a guy, and a lottery ticket, two and a lottery ticket. And we talked about it all the time. But that's three, Derek. It <laughs> is three. It's still three. It is still three, but, but the half comes from this is what he means by the half is either like a split role guy is how he described it, meaning sometimes starter, sometimes reliever, um, a uh, a comp competition guy. That means come in, win the job, make 30 starts. Fine. That's there for you. Um, the other one is something that we have talked about on this podcast um, and I put in print is this notion of like the aggregate starter, right? And let's let's take 
the extreme example of that. Tyler Glasnow with the Tampa Bay Rays. How many starts can you get from him for $20 million? How many can you count on from him? Is it 15? Is it 17? Is the walk year where he really puts it together and gives you 32? Or is it 20 great starts? Is it 20 great starts and then two times on the injured list when you have to come up with 12 starts from somebody else? That's a half because, but it's a heck of a half, right? But it's a half. And if you have 20 from him and 12 from Zach Thompson, is that better than 10 from some guy and 22 from Zach Thompson? Is that a better use of that aggregate spot in the rotation? And it and it's, you know, the Cardinals being open to that notion that you might have to spend top dollar on a guy on a 22, you know, 20 million, 22 million, 24 million a year. And you may not get 30 starts from them, but you have a young guy to supplement that. That's a that's a part of this step that they're taking. That's part of the change in spending on pitching that ownership seems ready to make. Now, whether they pull off that deal, we still don't know yet, but at least they're open to it as opposed to like, no, no, no. One of the things you have to get for dollars that high is certainty and consistency. And the they again and 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 again have shied away from the volatility of the pitching market at those high dollars. So the half is actually like a fascinating way to describe it. Um, you know, Nick Martinez could be that half. For a lot of teams, he's a full three, right? And it's three, but he could be that half. Um, you know, like, like a Lucas Giolito on a one-year deal. I'm not quite sure he's the half because how does he fit as a reliever, split role, and everything like that. But gosh, he might be like that added lottery ticket guy that they get starter certainty, starter certainty. All right. And this is the the answer to Mo's question when he was talking about um this pitching thing. He actually referenced me, and I, you know, obviously it's standard for when quotes are used to um cut out the name of a reporter. But his whole answer said, you know, kind of what we're considering is the scenario Derek described. That's what he said. And the scenario I described was if you get the innings certainty in the first two moves, can you take a high upside, short-term, potentially higher cost move and see what happens? You know, like Evaldi used to be, um, you know, like a Lucas Giolito might be. Can you do that move? Because we, we, we've we talked about Snell, the guy with the second highest strikeout rate available for free agents is Lucas Giolito. The guy who is the most coveted right-hander at the trade deadline but was Lucas Giolito. The season went sideways for him from there. But you know what? He was an angel. Seasons went sideways for a lot of angels. Um, you know, like, I mean, like there's something there. He gave up a lot of home runs at, Chicago you know what he won't you know where where he won't pitch much as a cardinal at a ballpark that gives up a lot of home runs so like is that that's the scenario that Mo was describing was actually the one that I presented without the names but this notion that like if they can get certainty in the volume of the first two Ben then that allows them to maybe roll the dice a little bit with that third guy and if it works out then it radically changes the rotation. And if it doesn't, then they have the young guys to supplement. 
you know, it could be a guy that could be a trade guy too. Right. right. I mean, that's the, that's the other thing is that that could be a Mo and Cashman get on the phone and Frankie Montas needs a fresh start, but no one knows if he can stay healthy. Right. Um, those, that, that can be, that can, if, if that's your half, if, if guys like, like Giolito are, are considered a half, then that's, that, that's a really encouraging viewpoint. Right. Exactly. And yeah. that, that kind of brings us back full circle to Snell. Take the gamble, take the gamble on the stuff with the third guy, not the first guy. Right. With the first guy get, get more substance because it allows you to, allows you to lean into more of the, the upside, the projectable, the hope of for health with the third guy. But that means you got to get more of the substance and the reliability using air quotes there, because those are always risks when you're adding pitching. That's just the nature of the business. Right. But it makes a guy like Aaron Nola to me, who is allergic to the injury list. I mean, this guy's the Paul Goldschmidt of pitching when it comes to pitching. Yeah. And every time he's on the mound, someone else isn't. Every time he takes the ball, it requires, it allows someone else to not do that. And mm-hmm. very valuable. there's one thing we've stressed a lot, and you've been on this campaign for a long time. Don't overlook the innings. Don't overlook innings the, matter. Don't over, innings matter. Don't overlook the ability to do your job every time out and not were, require someone else to do it. I think you were there in spring where, I, were you there when Mo said, I, I, uh, Mo goes, you ask too much about innings or you think too much about innings. And I go, I don't, you don't think enough. It was like, it was like, it was like this clash. And I'm not like, I, he, obviously he has a point. Like I asked a lot about innings. Well, that, they matter. You have to fill amount of innings or else you're asking too much of your bullpen or you're asking a lot of your development. And you know what the Cardinals haven't done is really backfilled you know, pitching with uh with uh with developed players. They just haven't. And it all cratered. There are a lot of things that went wrong, but you know, one of the things that you know really hurt the Cardinals was like Dakota Hudson starting in the minors and not starting as a guy who gave them six innings every time in the rotation. That's not entirely on him, but like that's a big part of what happens. So um right two things on the on the GM meetings just to wrap up. It was really interesting because the sense from people watching the Cardinals is how motivated and how frustrated and how um eager Mo is to get away from 91 losses and get back on the feet of being the Cardinals. There was that genuine sense, like, I mean, like agents or, or other teams, they're like, oh my gosh, haven't seen Mo like this. Like Mo is like, he's in this, Um, you know, he, he's can't sit back and go, well, this will work out because we're the Cardinals. He's, you know, like got to change and he's pushing. Um, And then the other side of it was like, we'll see if it actually manifests, you know, they haven't really been a player in this before. So, uh, you know, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see if it actually manifests beyond talk. But um, those were the two kind of sides of the GM meeting. Agents have been listening to the best podcast in baseball. It sounds like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Shout out to some of the agents who listen to the best <laughs> podcast in baseball. I think. One, I think. Uh, I'm going to Wolf, get to Wolf one is, of the guys. Wolf is a listener. He's sending this to Yamamoto uh, right now. Hey, oh, I, right. I'm going to talk but, about one of the one of the guys um, and another podcast. I promise. I promise. I promise. Okay. Well, give us the name so people can know what to look forward to. Well, I just want to talk about like the, I'm going to talk at one point in time in the in the podcast about like kind of the catching depth the cardinals did add um 
Pedro Paez to their their forty man, and that gives them four catchers um, at the moment right now. Um, and everybody wants to talk means. about the coach and uh, Ivan Herrera um, is the is their player of the year, is their minor league player of the year, which is not a small thing because he wins the award ahead of Victor Scott the second and Mason Win. So hmm. I mean it that that's a significant step or that's yeah, think- a significant note. I think Scott just stole three more bases while we were recording yeah. this podcast. And yeah. you mentioned the catchers probably should, should talk a little Yachty or Molina at some point on an upcoming podcast as well. Who knows? Oh, we Maybe by the time we go to winter meetings in Nashville, there will be clarity on what role, if any Yachty could have on this staff. It is among the, the bigger questions of the offseason for the Cardinals. There will be more and we'll be diving into this. You, me, Lynn Worthy, we're going to make the trip down to winter meetings in Nashville. We'll have full coverage mm-hmm. at stltoday.com, and and we will probably do at least a podcast from there as well. Um, yep. We should wrap this up, man. Good to hear. Your voice sounds good and strong. I think by the time yeah. we hit the road, you'll be you'll be ready to go. My and, MVP uh, ballot was super oh, yeah. direct. Just the, we can briefly on the MVP ballot, super direct. Um, I don't think I had any surprises. I think Matt Olson of the Braves um, not being a finalist, I was surprised by that. He had a thunderclap season, um, which when you say like a guy is overlooked for hitting as many home runs as he did, um, I still I think there was a little bit of that, that he was a little overlooked. Um, just strong year, remarkable year. Um, I thought Wilson's younger brother, I had him on my ballot for uh, his influence with the Brewers, what he brought to that team and, and really how he did as a catcher and as an offensive force as a catcher to both kind of sides of that game. 100 games behind the plate one of the top defensive catchers, just really impressive year. So um, it was just a matter of finding where he fit on the ballot. Yeah. The Braves can't have all the fun. They've got the MVP, Ronald Acuna. They've got the all-star game. They've got, they've got Shohei Otani apparently just a matter of time until uh, Otani goes to Atlanta. Are Uh, you happy to call me a friend? Cause I had Bryce Harper as high as anybody on my ballot. Like I was a little surprised by that. Well, if they they could have voted after the postseason, he would have been even, he would have been even higher. He had a remarkable year. I will. He's I having an about... outstanding career with the Phillies. All the people are, oh, that contract, he'll never live up to it. Yeah. I resist the urge every postseason to go back through my Twitter mentions and retweet everyone who told me that Bryce Harper was overrated or didn't play enough or wasn't good enough to justify the contract. I tweet something about it, reminding Cardinals fans that there were some of them who were anti Bryce Harper and they hit me with no one ever said that that's a straw man argument. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I have the receipts of people saying that they didn't think this guy was going to live up to his Phillies contract. And I would imagine that if it ended today, they would already be quite pleased with what he's done there. So great player, a flair for the dramatic who ish Derek in his yes. ability to ascend to the moment um, when, when it finds him, which is. And- which is pretty pretty special to watch. Absolutely. Thank you for hosting this so that I can You bet, uh, man. Yeah. Recover. Yeah, happy to do it and we'll do it again. We'll go down from Nashville, but you'll be in the driver's seat and I'll be riding shotgun with my snarky commentary. The best podcast in baseball is brought to you by Closets by Design of St. Louis. It's produced by the St. Louis Post Dispatch, stltoday.com and our fearless leader here, Derek Gould. DG, good stuff, man. Feel better and we will talk again soon. Thank you very much, Ben. Look forward to it. Talk to you soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.